All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you for listening. I'm I'm a little I'm a little strung out. I'm a little tired. I'm a little jacked up on coffee and nicotine lozenges right now. We've been shooting the new show, the uh, Glow Show, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, and uh, the flashbacks continue. Emotions within me uh, keep percolating to the surface. I, again, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'll have to look at it as a plus. A plus. Like, I have to play a bit of an asshole, and when I'm a bit of an asshole and I, I'm a bit of a bully, on the show, I feel the emotions that are counter to that going on inside of me right after I do it. Like, right after I do a mean thing, uh, I feel sad. I feel almost teary, uh, and I have to go apologize to the actress. It was yesterday. I apologized to Alison Brie. Uh, I guess I guess we're, she's uh, you know she's in character. I'm in character. But right after I get out of the character, I got to go check in, make sure uh, everything's okay because uh, that's who I am. I'm a, apparently a uh, male menopausal 53 year old man. I'm okay with it. I can only assume that it's a good thing. Today on the show, Margot Price, the amazing I'm going to say country music artist, though she is not a mainstream country music artist. Her record is. Uh, her solo record um, is on uh, Third Man Records, Midwest Farmer's Daughter. She had a couple of records I just got with her other band called uh, Buffalo Clover was the name of her other band that I learned about during the conversation you will hear momentarily. And those records are fucking great. I just, I love her voice. I love her songwriting. I don't know... Yeah, I don't. I don't love all country music, obviously, but I like a lot of it. Uh, and I, I didn't come. I, it's not something I kind of grew up with. It. I mean, I grew up in New Mexico. It was certainly around. There were definitely cowboys around. There was definitely country music around. The state fair. I remember growing up, and every year it would be country music people: Roy Clark, Buck Owens, Waylon, Willie, Chris, George, Dottie. I, I believe that they all were there. At some point at the Albuquerque State Fair, but it wasn't really my bag. Though I do have some cowboy in me, and I and I think some of you know that. I I've, I have a strange, eclectic background. Listener emails, Kamasi, subject line. Dear Mark, thank you for having Kamasi Washington on your show. I listened to your show, which led me to listen to the epic, which led me to Google his tour dates, which led me to sitting in the third row at a show last night. Loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Stephanie. You're welcome, Stephanie. My menstrual cycle and Mark, hey, want to hear something funny? I can tell when I'm about to start my period sometimes when I listen to your show. It's when you say Boomer lives at the end. If I get sad and sometimes even tear up, then I know it's coming soon and it's pissed. Too much? Oh, well, you are my spirit animal, Lindsay M. You're welcome. I'm glad I can help you know when your period is coming. That's a service I didn't know I provided for anybody, but I, but I appreciate knowing that. So, country music. Margot Price, I don't know, man. It, it's just something about her voice, something about the production and the, and the playing. That, like, I, when I put that record on from Third Man, that first one, or the, her solo record, Midwest Farmer's Daughter, 
it's just one of those things where you put a record on and you're like, this is the real shit. And I've listened to it so many times. And it was one of those, it was one of these guests that I have here sometimes where I'm just like in awe and happy that we're talking. And I kept thinking about what I was going to talk to her, how I was, how, how do you start a conversation? And then I started thinking about when I was very young, when my family moved from Alaska to Albuquerque, I lived in the basement with my brother. There was a, it was a basement of a house in Albuquerque. It was like 1972, probably 1973. My mom put shag carpeting in there, uh, painted the cabinets. There was wood paneling. They let me have some pretty devious posters, really, for a 10-year-old. I had the uh, black light sexual positions poster. I don't know why they let me have it. They were not great parents, but they were permissive. So that was cool. I had Easy Rider. I had uh, Dennis Hopper on the chopper flipping the bird. I had that. What else did I have down there? Yeah, and it was years later, and there were two rooms down there. There was like another room that had linoleum floor that we didn't use much. It didn't really happen. I used to you know, uh, fuck around with my chemistry set in that room. But uh, a couple of years after we were living there, my mother's cousin Jay found there was all these drugs up in the lights that the people from the who'd lived there before had stashed up there. I didn't know. I didn't know about drugs. But uh, and I didn't know about sexual positions and I didn't really understand uh, Easy Rider, but I was 10 and and that was what was sinking in. I mean, this was 1972. This is what pop culture was sending, you know, the messages to my brain with. I mean, the first records I bought a mountain record. I had Jethro Tull's Aqualung. I had the Beatles uh, second album. Um, but most importantly, there was this box of cassettes. My parents had this old Iowa cassette player that had detachable speakers and I inherited it somehow, and it was downstairs, and they had a box of cassettes, and in that box of cassettes was Bobby Gentry's Ode to Billy Joe and uh, Johnny Cash live at San Quentin, and and that was the, the Bobby Gentry record was definitely the Ode to Billy Joe record. So I, so I had these two, these two cassettes, and I remember playing compulsively A Boy Named Sue, Folsom City Blues and Ode to Billy Joe. And that I believe was my first real connection with country music and those were those were pretty good ones for a 9-year-old who just had a box of uh, cassettes because there were other there was Jerry Vale's greatest hits in there. I didn't get involved with that. Maybe I listened to uh, uh God didn't make little green apples and it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. I th- I believe that was on there. I, th- I thought it, it was catchy. Also in that box was Cosmos Factory. So Bobby Gentry, Ode to Billy Joe, Johnny Cash, Live at San Quentin, and Credence Clearwater's Cosmos Factory, which had uh, Up Around the Bend, which has one of the most searing, beautiful guitar pieces. Like that, those three records. So that's at the core of, uh, of who I am and my understanding of country music. And so I decided... That Bobby Gentry, and I've got a few Bobby Gentry albums now on vinyl. I, for some reason, wanted to talk to Margot Price about Bobby Gentry, and that turned out not to be a bad idea. Also, I remember watching the end of uh, the Porter Wagner show before Walt Disney, before Disney, on Sunday nights, I believe, Porter Wagner show. I remember watching Hee Haw. I remember, and not that these are like make any difference, but I'm just trying to figure out when it started to integrate into my brain. Obviously, a lot of the music I like now is country and country related, but it was around, you know, 
My father, when he had a secret life, used to you know go Western dancing. We found out later at the caravan in Albuquerque. It's a big yeah. There's a lot. I remember the the square dancing thing that was happening. But uh, I guess I should talk a little bit more about when I had a horse. It wasn't my horse. It was assigned to me. And uh, I went to several camps when I was a kid. Uh, I was, uh, it wasn't so much that my parents wanted me to do exciting things. Maybe they did, but I think they wanted me out of the house. And over the course of my childhood, I went to a tennis camp. I went on a teen tour which is a, a sort of strange Jewish expedition of uh, mostly teenagers from the five towns in Long Island, and I somehow ended up amongst them. Um, barren teen tours. So, yeah, I went on a teen tour. I went to a tennis camp, and I went to. Uh, I eventually went to a music and arts camp, which was the best camp for me. But the first camp I went to was Brush Ranch in Pecos, New Mexico, where we had to have our own Stetson hat, and we had to show up with fishing rods, and we had to be willing to shoot guns, and we had to have uh, jeans, certain Levi's. We needed Levi's. Had to put your name and everything. But I think the most uh, telling thing was the cowboy hat. We needed cowboy boots. Gil, this weird cowboy that was in charge of the horses, um, he taught us how to fold our hats, so it pointed down the top and bent down, and it looked cool. It looked cool. We had to bend up those fucking Stetsons. I uh, learned how to, uh, some people were asking me because I passively said I know how to tie flies. Part of the uh, fly fishing was part of the brush ranch experience. I did some, uh, we learned how to tie flies. You had your little your little vice and you had your little hook and then you had your little feathers and stuff and we tied some flies. They were clunky, but you know, fish doesn't fucking know really. But I learned how it's done and it was interesting and exciting. It was not something I pursued for a life. I uh, learned how to shoot shotguns and also load shotgun shells. Think I owe an apology to this dorky, annoying douchebag from Texas named Jeff, uh, who me and a couple other the guys, uh, when we were loading shotgun shells, put a double load of powder and a very little shot into one of Jeff's shells. Just to see him get knocked on his ass by the shotgun. He was okay. It was funny, but I feel bad about it now, and this might be part of the reason that I'm crying occasionally. So sorry, Jeff. I hope you're okay. It was very funny though. So yeah. In a, in a pinch, if you gave me the machine, I could load a shotgun shell. I believe you put the powder in, and then the wad, and then the shot, and then you seal that fucker. So we shot some skeet, shot some 22s, didn't shoot any animals. Um, felt a couple of vaginas up there uh, at night. And then she went on to, a day, to be with some other dude who was a friend of mine at camp. That was not good. Heartbreaking. But the cowboy element, so yeah, I had the hat. <laughs> anyway has nothing to do with country music i just wanted to share my uh bona fides my bona fides uh of having some country past and you know and i, I wore the boots for a long time though they shifted from uh cowboy boots to rock and roll boots man so as a grown man i've grown to appreciate country music it was always around and now I like it even more. I had Sturgill Simpson on this show. And um, now I believe uh, this is, if there is somebody equally as important in modern country music as Sturgill seems to be, if not even a, a little more important on some level to me, uh, only because I'm enamored and amazed by her singing and songwriting, 
It's Margot Price. You can get Margot's debut album, Midwest Farmer's Daughter. It's on Third Man Records. She does play a song at the end. She's amazing. I'm going to talk to her right now. Me and Margot Price. That's how you record your ideas when you're at home? You just get the tape rolling? Well, we used to, but we haven't we haven't re uh-huh. done a studio. I mean, we just sold everything we had. We had like a nice console and when was microphones. This? this was like maybe two years ago. You and your husband? Ago. Yeah. What's his name? Me and my old man, Jeremy Ivey. And he's in the band. Well, he was. And then, oh my God, you're <clears throat> kicking your husband yeah, out of the band? He, he dislocated his finger right, get, before, right before SNL. Which was really a bummer. So yeah. who stepped in? Um, this guy named Kevin Black. He, uh-huh. he played with uh, Sturgill Simpson for a while. I talked to Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, he's I know Stu. I know Stu. Stu <clears throat> yep. is that what you call him? Stu. <laughs> well, now I listen to. Um, I like you. Hey, thanks. I like you too. I don't like many people. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it is. But like, uh, I I don't know how I got the record. It might have come in a package, and I and I had it for a while, and I didn't like you know I didn't fully take it in, yeah. and then I put it on again a little while ago, and it was like holy shit, she's yeah. time traveling, <laughs> <laughs> she's a time traveling wizard, born in the wrong age, I think. Well, sometimes. I don't know, I, I guess, but I, I mean, there's a purity to it that 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 type of uh, music should should transcend time. Yeah, hopefully, right? hopefully, you know, good music is. And there's a, there's sadness. You have the built-in sadness. Yeah. <laughs> the eternal sadness. You, you tap into the eternal. See, not everyone has that, though. Yeah. There's a lot of fakers. Yeah. The a lot little, of phony, the, sad the people. The whiny, uh, emo. Something. There's just people that that, yes. that use the old styles but don't have the real, the the eternal pain. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, do the, the throwback traditional right. stuff, but they're also scared of, like, throwing a you know phaser in there or yeah you know like yeah. you got you can't just do the old timey music and expect people to think that wow, you're this is great you know right you're it, just regurgitating right shit that's already been done right you can't use it as a gimmick right right yeah and that's i felt that and i felt that with sturgill too to a degree you know that there was a respect for the sound for the structure of those type of songs but also for the production of you know what was I think most people think real country. Yeah, and being able to take a risk, you know. Yeah. Really not. What do you not see the afraid. risk as being to to do that to produce like that? Yeah, I mean the the opening track on the album "Hands of Time." Oh, it's sad. Yeah, it's a sad one. It's uh gets me every time. It's one of those that gets me every time song. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't play that every night either because it's sometimes audiences are just not. Really. You know. What are they kids? Are you looking at kids usually? No, I mean. It's you know it just has to be the right vibe if if people are like too drunk or something. Oh, you don't want to be. It, then I, your, yeah, it's like I don't want to sing that if there's if it's a really loud. So you need to get to a place in your own heart and in that moment to right. sing that. Yeah, and and, and you don't want to be interrupted by someone going. Ow! Exactly. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you know, it's like. Uh, well, that's good to hear that yeah. you can't autopilot through. You can't do it. Some nights. Some nights you feel it and some nights you don't. And But with that song in the production, when I was writing it, I actually wrote it on piano, but uh, my my husband was playing bass on the record and, and my drummer, Dylan Napier, they 
Dylan put a, a what he calls a Wu Tang drum beat on uh-huh. the beginning of that. Yeah. And it, first, I was kind of unsure of it, and then the more I listened to it, I realized that it you know kind of took the song somewhere else, and it it wasn't just you know another right. like folky right. Uh, yeah, I don't know so, if I, I, I now I'm gonna have to listen to for the Wu Tang. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just got a little funky groove in there. But that's happened. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, like I keep thinking when I was a kid, I had like these, uh, this box of cassettes that I inherited from my parents. And one of them was Bobby Gentry. Yes. Ode to Billy Joe. So good. That album. So good. And that, like, that song has a, like, a, uh, there's has, a funk yeah, element yeah, to it. Yeah, she, right? she's got so much good stuff. Uh, Lordy Made a Woman Out of Me. I mean, she just did it differently. You yeah, know? right. And, and it, she was a little groovier. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, uh, the Mississippi song, Mississippi Delta. Yeah, yeah. So, so good, so brilliant. Yeah, and I and and I think having seen that movie when I was a little kid and what they did to that song. And the, did you ever see the movie? No, it's brutal. Shit, it's uh, it's what's the kid's name? Bobby. Uh, oh, what is, what's that? Actor's it's just name? based off the whole song. Kinda? It's a little bit. There's I uh, well, it's, I don't think so. Okay. Well, no, it is, but I don't know that all of it's in there because there's Billy Joel McAllister in the movie gets sort of like, you know, gang raped by a bunch of hillbillies. Whoa. That's heavy. <laughs> That's not in the song. This this yeah. guy played by, I'm forgetting his name. Well, but it's like you kind of never know why she, you know, why no, he. Right. Well, they just speculated, I guess. Yeah. I, or, or maybe they, they wrote the movie and decided, now I got to know the guy's I name. I know. What I love about that song too is in the in the verses she's just talking about like sitting around the dinner table, yeah. you know, chewing the food, and yeah. it's so mundane. It captures like the mundane moments of, of being around the family table. And I feel like Bob Dylan took inspiration from that song. He did this really uh, bizarre tune called "Clothesline Hanging Saga." Uh-huh. It was during basement tapes. It's the same thing. It's just talking about his mother being outside and some guy passing by, and they talk politics, and then right, you know. It's, and you think he, yeah, he was listening? Yeah, I, I feel like that was inspired by. Well, he's by that definitely song. Uh, he's definitely a sponge. There's no. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of his best attributes, I think, yeah. or his worst. It's probably the we best. Say and amateurs the worst. borrow professional steel. <laughs> Dylan just uh, becomes. Yeah, he, he just becomes. He, he absorbs and manifests. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that song, but you, I'm glad that we talked about Bobby because, like, I, I guess I sent something. About like, and I didn't think it would come through that song, but I, there is a funk kind of element to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Four and years she produced a lot of her own shit too. Like she yeah. put out a lot of her own records. She, that's her picking the guitar too on there. She was, you know, good. Did you ever? Is she around? You know, it was just her birthday. Um, She's seventy-two, June twenty-seventh. Right. Out, it if was you're just, out there, Bobby, I love you. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that interesting though? Yeah. That like this like a very a very prominent sort of artist. And no yeah. one really knows because usually with country people they yeah. keep going forever. Exactly, <laughs> you can't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't a, kill ourselves. Exactly, <laughs> a mixture a mixture of both. Yeah, but um, yeah, I wonder where she's. I wonder I where she lives. Reach out to her. Like, there's part of like I don't know that I listened to country when I was a kid except for that Bobby Gentry record and oh, and another one of those cassettes was Johnny Cash Live at San Quentin. Yeah. So I had yeah. those two when I was like really young, just because they were in a box of cassettes. Exactly. But but in Albuquerque, like because we had rodeo and we had the state fair and it was always country acts coming through. Yeah. But uh, so it was always there in the background. But, but it was you were not. like, I don't. Wanna... Well, no, it was just my parents weren't into it. And when I was a kid, I'm 52. So what I was listening, I you know, I listen to Skinnerd. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like when I was in junior high, it's like Skinner's good. Yeah. It's just what I grew up with. Great classic towny. Yeah. You know, rock. Well, oddly enough, I grew up listening to a lot of rap. I mean, well, how old are you? are 20, like 20 years younger than me. What are you, 30 something? 33. Yeah. So yeah, so you're, you're that was popular music when you were like in yeah. junior high and shit. Yeah. And that was your thing? I mean, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> but where'd you grow up? Let's uh, let's get into the anatomy of that heartbreaking song cuz when like even my girlfriend was like, this has really happened to her and I'm like, yeah, I think it all happened to yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't make it up if I tried. Um, where'd I grew you, up yeah. tiny little town, um, like 3,600 people. And it was just three and a half hours west of Chicago. So it was on the Mississippi bordering. In Illinois. Uh, yeah, Illinois. It was right by Iowa, but we were on the Illinois side. Yeah. And uh, my folks lived outside of the town. They lived north of the, of the town. It was called Alito. Yeah. And uh, But we lived just about a mile from this other town that was called Hamlet. And the sign is still there. It says, Hamlet, population 34. Really? Did you take a picture of it? Not a lot of culture. I do have a photo of it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like there's, you should use it somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, you know, there's and there's no town there anymore. It's still a town, but it's just a church a and some houses. Oh, so there was no like three store main street. Yeah, I mean, my town had one stoplight. Alito did, and they had a, a Hardee's and a Walmart, Hardee's. and you know, oh really? And and then Walmart happened. That was a huge deal, and that was kind of when probably employed half the town. Yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, and it, they needed it too because that was when the uh, the farming crisis happened. Right, and uh, you know, my family, my grandfather, and all his brothers and all their sons, they all lost the farm, and it was kind of right around the time that Walmart came in, and all you know, oh, the shit, the, uh, yeah, the crooked bankers, and um, well, what happened? What they farm? They farmed uh, mostly corn and and uh, soybeans and cattle, a little bit of cattle, but um. So you grew up with that for generations, like that was your family. That was that was the yeah. And where they all come from originally? What's the roots? Um, you, do you know? I mean, like Irish or oh, yeah. so just I'm a mutt of oh, yeah. a lot of different things, but um, yeah. And there, my I mean, my my grandmother still lives in the town. My folks still live in the town. In Alito. In Alito. Yeah. yeah. I think they're gonna put up a sign for me when you go <laughs> maybe a street yeah who knows <laughs> are they happy for you yeah they're happy for me yeah yeah were they always <laughs> uh my you know my mom was always um hopeful <laughs> she's always real hopeful um kept a positive attitude god bless her and so but like what's going on in a town like like three thousand some odd that's as many people that were in my high school yeah. And I didn't come from a big town, but that's like a real small town. So y'all kind of yeah. knew each other. Y'all went to all the grades together. Oh, y'all watched each other get fucked up on drugs and yeah. die and go to jail. And exactly. Maybe get out. Yep. That Suicides kind of and uh, just, I mean, boredom does terrible things to people. Uh-huh. Because there was, you know, there just wasn't any culture. There there was like a little movie theater in town, but they sh only showed one movie and it would run for like two weeks. Like a mainstream movie? Yeah. Yeah. Like... I don't even, I don't even know. Right, I saw there, saw Mr. Holland's opus there. That's there you go. Memory, little, little Richard Dreyfus. That might have yeah. had a profound impact. I mean, that yeah, was that was kind of the only thing you specific. could do. And but then otherwise, you just would drive around on the back roads and drink beer. Yeah, and smoke pot. And yeah, 
and park. You know, yeah. And then someone and would play the music through their car speakers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'd cruise the loop in the main town and then the cops would like pull you over and say you'd made too many loops and you had to... And you knew the cop. You knew the cop. Um, I mean, people sat at home, listened to their police scanner. when you know, right, So everyone right, knew right. someone was getting in trouble. Right. It would be in the paper. <laughs> So-and-so was arrested with two grams of marijuana and some paraphernalia. <laughs> it was always... And everyone knew who it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, then you'd be, yeah, labeled the... Uh, pothead, the, the, the outcast, problem. yeah. For, Were you an outcast? Um, I would go kind of back and forth. You but, dated some outcasts? Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> a vandal. I dated a vandal for six years. <laughs> Um, when you were in high school? When I was in high school, yeah. Um, he was a sweet guy. Sweet Vandal? Sweet Vandal. Where's that you know, song? He was, that's a good one. We've got to get out my notebook here. Um, sweet Vandal. So, yeah, it was... But how be, how much of a Vandal could you be? You're not, you, like, how far was the next town? I mean, you had to rob people you knew. Yeah, or, okay. you, had to, you had to really be careful. Um, I remember that there was a party that was thrown outside of my parents' house, and they... Nobody, it didn't get busted, but yeah. there were photos of the party and people had beers in their hands and they actually got, they all got taken to court For and, drinking and charged with the photos saying, well, you had a beer in your hand and you're 16, so you're oh. getting a oh, really? underage drinking ticket. Yes. So this was, but your parents weren't home or it was somewhere near? Well, I didn't get a go. My mom kept a pretty short leash on me when uh -huh. she could. Oh, so it was near your parents' It was house. right near my, my folks' house. All my friends got busted. Another time there was a party. That, from the picture? From the picture. How'd they get the that's picture? That's not, that's how not. How did they get the picture? That, that can't be legal. No, but how did they get it? I don't know. I mean, there was, you know, blackmail, shit like that would happen. It was just a, a corrupt little town in ways, you know. So wait, so some cop's kid took a picture? And then it, and yeah, then, it got. And the town needed money that bad that they had to fine a bunch <laughs> of sixteen-year-olds for drinking beer. I mean, it's the kind of town where you know there was a couple people high up, and they were given tax breaks right. to their relatives to start businesses, and then all of a sudden, everybody wondered where the money went, and of course they found out. It all funneled through the relatives. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, this it? the same guy that was doing that for his relatives. He was the the crooked banker who kind of took the farm, fucked things over for the farm. So. You know, hopefully he will get his uh, <laughs> get his, karma his karma will come back to him. And yeah. So when you were in high school, like um, you didn't get into so much trouble that it destroyed your life then. No, no. I waited until I got to college because, like I said, my parents kept a pretty, pretty tight leash. And um, then, you know, I think a lot of Americans you all of a sudden have this newfound freedom and then you start binge drinking and so you were a, a boozer making a lot of bad decisions yeah when did you start playing though what were your what were your sort of uh, things when you were in high school aside from driving around drinking beer smoking weed with vandals yeah I, uh, listening to rap music listening to my rap music um, I picked up a guitar I think when I was 12 and I'd played piano prior but I I didn't like my piano teacher so none of that really stuck but you but you um, still write on piano sometimes? Yeah, I do. I do. I wrote Hands of Time on, on piano. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was just we would I would cruise around in the car and have my guitar with me and uh I was what were one you of the singing? only ones. Oh, Come I mean, on. Go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 to save myself I will preface that you know, I love Tom Petty and the Statler brothers and but I, I did like Jewel a lot when she first came out and 
I liked I liked her album Pieces of You because it was just really different than everything else. You don't have to feel bad for that. And yeah, no, Jewel Jewel was great. That first album. She was, was earnest. Amazing. She, yeah. She spoke her heart. She, she did. Played. Yeah. She had a broken nose. One. She didn't care about getting fixed. <laughs> I feel you, Jewel. <laughs> and you were you were exactly her market. Just sad, isolated teenage girls in oh. the middle of nowhere. Yep, yep. Emotionally and geographically. It probably reached me like two, three years later after it reached the rest of the world. Oh, really? Like everything in the Midwest, fashion. But wasn't she like from Alaska? Yeah, yeah. Like up Hell there. of a yodeler, too. I remember, like, I liked her. I, I think yeah. that... I think she uh, she had the unfortunate fate of people getting tired of her for some reason. Yeah. Some people just, I don't know what it is culturally well, where people just sort of like, Bleh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. She maybe didn't change with the times. Maybe. I, I don't know. I I was a little um, disappointed in her book of poems, but that's- <laughs> It's hard, man. Poems yeah, I mean, are, they're hard to sell. Poems are hard man. to sell. Yeah. I'm thinking about putting putting out a book of poems myself. Maybe are you? I better wait on that. <laughs> Make sure they're good. After the third record, do that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you write poems? I do, yeah. Yeah? I wrote a really um, sad six-page poem the other day. I'll, wow. I'll share it with you when we're done here. Really? It's, it's just about the decline of humanity, and oh. uh, it's really uplifting yeah. is it um Is it free verse or rhymed? or? Yeah, it's mostly just free verse. Just went for it? Just Yeah, just word vomit. Well, how do you, like, what differentiates, uh, well, obviously, structurally, a, a song is different than a poem, but do you start without it necessarily being a song when you so, write? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll just be writing and then if it's a good enough poem, I'll turn it into a song. Right. But uh, other times it's just, there's nothing that can be done with it and it's just going to be a bunch of crap on a page. But it feels better. Once yeah. it's out of you, it's exactly. out of you. It's such a, yeah. a purging yeah, I scribble so shit all write. the time. Yeah, when yeah. I'm do, when I'm writing comedy ideas, it's never a joke. It's always an idea. It's always on a post-it. Yep. It's always while I'm driving. How do you keep track of all that stuff? Then I, to put not, it into no a, good. I'm not good. No, because no, like no matter how many times I transcribe it, my writing still sucks. So I can't even trust my own interpretation of, of me. What it was? Yeah, yeah like just doctor's become, handwriting. Yeah, it yeah. becomes very challenging. Sometimes I'll type it up, but there's something about you know I've sat down and done it you know, transcribe stuff and, and written stuff out. And then, like, I, I lose interest in it. Like, I know it's there. Mm-hmm. But, like, once it's written down and fully, I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I'm not writing songs. I'd like yeah. to write a song. Do you ever Let's write do, a song. Really? How, <laughs> do we just do it? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take some stuff <laughs> yeah. after we get done at the end here. Like. What was the Vandal song? Sweet Vandal. Sweet Vandal. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it becomes, I'd like to be part of that. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you yeah. 10% just co-write. The, yeah. I don't want any money. I just want. <laughs> I just want to slash Mark Marin. Marin su- in the credits, Mark Marin suggested the title. I like that. During uh, our yeah. conversation. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of, well, what was that guy up to at the Vandal? I don't know. He went on this tear where, of the town one night where he just destroyed a bunch of shit. I don't, I can't remember if he was like egging cars and um he like ripped down somebody's basketball court wow this is the yeah. saddest outlaw song and i mean it's like, it's like the not, most immature outlaw he smashed like 200 pumpkins from the guy who like makes pumpkins and and sells them during halloween oh this and is i not, like knew about it and then the cops were questioning me Did about your the boyfriend pumpkin? smashed the pumpkins out of duncan's pumpkins come on <laughs> It's already rhyming. It's, it's good. We got we got material. But I, I can't, he's not going to really become some sort of outlaw tragic hero with, yeah, the, yeah. with the crimes that you've... Well, there were probably more bad things he did. Um, I think it's sort of a funny take on like a, a song about like a, an outlaw, but it's really 
all these childish things. Yeah. To, to write yeah. like a classic kind of outlaw ballad, but it's just about a guy who eggs some shit and smashed some pumpkins. Yeah, not really that bad of a guy. <laughs> and and he, he didn't end up in jail. He just ended up like an insurance salesman or something. Like He totally is just... You know, just a two guy? kids now, nice house, just the, regular guy. That'd be the funniest outlaw ballad in the world. Like, what happened to that guy? He actually straightened out much quicker than I did. Uh, you know, I had to take the long way around. Oh, so um, that's good. You didn't end up yeah. with a real outlaw. Yeah. You could have, I guess. Maybe yeah. there just wasn't any around. Yeah, there's a... Uh, there's slim pickings, you know, and you got 77 people in your graduating class. <laughs> and you knew all of them. <laughs> You knew all of them. Everyone knew and everyone lost their virginity. Business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and when they didn't and someone said they did, all that yeah. gossip. Yep. So when when you write songs, do you ever like, because I've been listening to, like I just recently transitioned into actually listening to songs, the words. Yeah. Like yeah. I was always like a riff guy, melody guy. Like totally. I did, I did, and choruses somewhat, you mm -hmm. know. And Don't I can, bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> who's, whose advice is that? I, maybe Tom Petty's. It came off that Tom Petty documentary. <laughs> you know, there, it's really hard to find someone that doesn't like Tom Petty. But some people don't some quite people don't. give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah, I mean, he's... Everyone likes him, but then if you really like... He wrote so many fucking songs. He did. And you know them all. Yeah. And they're, they're great. They're so memorable and... But just not contrived. Yep. I remember the first time I heard uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. I was so young. I didn't know what it meant, but I just thought it was the coolest fucking song I'd ever heard. Yeah. And it it was just... it's a, It was a nice escape from the, you know, from the town. Yeah. He wrote a couple of good country songs, too. He wrote that Mystery Man, Mystery Man on the first record, mm -hmm. which is yeah. beautiful. Have yeah. you watched that documentary? No. You got to check it out. It's like a day long, right? Yeah. I didn't want it to end, though. I It was like two, three in the morning, and my husband was like, we got to go to sleep. No. No, keep watching. But do you ever write like a chorus? Does a chorus come to your head first? Do you like hooks like that? Sometimes. I actually just got this um, this custom guitar from Fender. That they they made they put my name down the neck in like a pearl inlay. Really, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's so heavy. Oh, it's a Telecaster, and I'm I'm used to playing like lightweight guitar, but it's I've a weighty been, Telecaster. Yeah, so, so they must have made it out of the big. It's the, the heavy rosewood. Wood. Yeah, and uh, so I've been writing licks on that. I feel like it's changed. You know, yeah. kind of changed the way I'm playing some lead. Yeah, playing some lead, trying to <laughs> trying to work at it you know Cause yeah i feel like you hit a level on guitar and then you're like all right just no i've been sitting at it and i don't play professionally so like you know i've been you got licks man i, I got licks you yeah, got I licks can, yeah i can play yeah i, I do you got more licks than me i know but like but you got to do it every night like i'm always amazed when i have musicians in here and like you know we sit there and they'll play a song and they'll just nail it and i'm like what the fuck? And then you realize like, oh, that's their job. Yeah. That's what they do. Well, I like hire people to play my licks and then I just... No, but you guys, when you sit down and play a song, you know, you've got a lot of hours in it. Yeah. You know, I don't have those muscles of performing a whole night on stage or playing with other yeah. people. Very easy to sit in here and, and, <laughs> and yeah. noodle. Noodle, yeah. That's one of my favorite favorite phrases. My, Noodling? Yeah. I had this uh, jazz drummer who was like real meticulous guy. Who was very in the studio young. with you? Uh, no, we were just on the road and we were like setting up. We were actually yeah. just playing in a parking lot. Doc Weiler Beach. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know where that is. It's in uh, it's in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah? It was the first time I was ever here and we were living in a 1986 Winnebago. And, uh, here? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, we got to get back to the story. Yeah, we we stopped before we even went to college. And now we're at Winnebago. Now we're at the Winnebago. <laughs> yeah, living like a dirty hippie. We were in this parking lot, and because we didn't have that many great shows, and so we thought we'll just set up and play here for the people at the trailer park. Yeah. And uh, my my bass player was like, you know, warming up a little bit, and the yeah. drummer said, "If we could actually, could we keep the noodling to a minimum?" <laughs> So we say that on stage a lot. Keep the noodling. <laughs> the control freak. Guy. Yeah, yeah. So where? So you graduated high school. You're mm-hmm. playing a little guitar, playing some Jewel, writing some poetry, <laughs> hanging out with Pumpkin Smashers. <laughs> You're getting out all these things no one's ever heard. Par- parents, parents had you on a short leash, but yep. you found time to drive around, and drink beer, and listen to to rap music. Yep. But so, what do you? When you go to college, what are you gonna? Do you just want to get out, or you got a plan? Just wanted to get out. I um, didn't really know what I wanted to major in. My mom was like, "You should be in communications and do wow. advertising." That vague You'd communication, yeah, the yeah. vague communications thing. What'd she do, your mom? So she's a, a teacher. Well, she was a teacher. She's retired now. Mm-hmm. She taught uh, third grade for years. And oh, years. that's like that's probably a pleasant experience. They're not. Yeah. They're not fucked up in third grade yet. Yeah, 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 the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not a... <laughs> your mom, and, uh, is not a question? She's she's wonderful. Um, but, she, uh, was she a loopy teacher? She was a little loopy, you know, she's sleep deprived. She um, mm-hmm. she always said, don't be a teacher because you don't get paid enough. for all. And uh, she would pay me to uh, grade her papers. It'd be like, I'll give you $10 <laughs> if you will grade these papers. Was it, she knew there wasn't a big uh, risk of plagiarism or any of that with third grade papers. Yeah, yeah. I, it was I just could, grammar. could spot it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I did communications for a year, and then I started playing more guitar, listening to Zeppelin. Um, and then the, the next year, I majored in uh, theater and dance. And uh, Really? Yeah, I did. Dance? I was, dance, yeah. I had been uh thrown into dance when i was like three years old ballet yeah ballet tap jazz gymnastics cheerleading um you were a cheerleader american dream yeah you were a cheerleader yeah i was were you the head cheerleader i was mm. and then um now see like that tarnishes my image but I'll, yeah I'll get, i know it's a dirty secret get, but, but um hopefully like you get really messed up in a few minutes yeah well i got you know i got blackmailed my senior year blackmail uh, what is this blackmail this is the town i'm telling you but like what like well we had we had taken this photo um in our sports bras uh-huh. like in the cheerleading uniform uh-huh. and the day of like our senior um senior night or whatever we were supposed to you know do like have you know everybody give you flowers and say thanks yeah, for your yeah, service you right. know and your uh, service as a cheerleader, as a cheerleader you know thank you <laughs> thanks for, for being objectified <laughs> and you know out there on the front lines of high school sports <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where we'd be without our where country would we owes be? you yeah and uh it was the these photos got sent to the principal and and they were like you can't do the senior night so then there were all these ugly rumors going around that we were all um, having a big orgy and we were naked in the photos. And this is the stuff that goes on in the town and people sure. actually believed it. Small you know? towns love that. Oh, you're all lesbians. and we're, It's a photo of us in our sports bras. Um, anyway, yeah. so... Really? So it got that out of hand? It's so funny because yeah, our entire culture is driven by that garbage now, but it totally. used to be a, a small town yeah. thing. It's like one person like stole the photo out of our locker and then people started sending it around on the internet and then... And then it got sent to the principal. And so I, I left uh, high school with just, uh, I really wanted to get out of that town because there was just so much gossip. And, and so you were a, a lesbian who had orgies. I mean, with yeah. With other cheerleaders. I didn't even know that about myself. 
I go to college. I cheered for one year on a scholarship, and then a scholarship for cheerleading. Mm -hmm. It was a Big Ten school, so you you could move. You you could probably like if you needed to. Yeah, could do some some flips and stuff. But (laughs) and I started smoking a lot of pot. And listening to Zeppelin yeah. and playing more guitar. And that was and erasing the cheerleading? It was erased it all. I tripped on, I had my first like mushroom trip and uh. saw the whole world in a different place, you know, like listened to the White Album. and Oh my God. And was like, I Old don't want to be a, you know, a, a cheerleader or a, a dancer anymore. Um, really? And so then, yeah, then I- Revolution number nine just blasted exactly. that out of you? <laughs> Thank God it did. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> you know, I think when you're when you're when you're young and you're impressionable and you know, you just wanna you at least I, sure. I did, I wanted to, you know, please everybody and well, I I should be a dancer and I should wear red lipstick and blue eyeshadow. So you're really, you know, really looking at the sort of career cheerleader possibility. No, no, I mean I you know, I I loved working with children. I, I liked to teach dance, and I did that for years. Um, you taught dance even to kids? After, yeah, I did. Um, so even after I moved to Nashville, I, I taught dance on the side, but I used like really cool music for my for my dance. It would be like a three-year-old class, and I'm like, all right, now we're going to tap dance to Sid Barrett's Effervescing Elephant. And they must and like so, the sound of that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know that song. Effervescing Elephant. Oh, oh, right, right. So they um, must have loved that. But yeah, it was, you know, and I, I would use like, Tori Amos songs and but nobody none of the moms really understood what I was doing probably because I was teaching in like Green Hills in Nashville what is that like a just a very wealthy, uh, wealthy yeah they what? wanted me to do like Sugar Plum Fairy Christmas show right. oh, and right. that was and definitely not what was going on you're opening minds you're just blowing opening minds mind. yeah well it's good that like you were tripping and you listened to the White Album and you, you what your big thing was like you know, there's no truth in cheerleading it, I mean Whereas, it just felt like such a hollow right and Charlie you know. Manson took a much different message out of the White Album <laughs> that album's got a lot Yikes. of range <laughs> yeah in terms yeah. of what it can do to the hallucinating mind it's very true <laughs> I was you know I was I was just glad that I uh, I, I just kind of changed Changed horses midstream there, and um, so but like then with, started do, you know ahead. doing the theater and dance and uh, with dance was it they, were you seeing it as because like I, I I'm curious about dance a lot of times because when you think about and I've never had this question answered and I don't know that you can answer it that you know there like there's a pretty limited a number of gigs for oh, dancers yeah yeah so I have to assume that is something that you integrate into your general sense of creativity because like I mean what are you really going to do as a dancer I mean you could become a like you know, the Rockettes or you know there's some TV shows yeah. and, and you could be a background dancer for a a uh, a, a pop act yeah, yeah like it seems like it's a small pool well of- and, and my sister is a dancer still she uh she does like you know aerial stuff hanging like from the ceiling yeah oh, yeah the, she does and the, she goes around on cruise ships and she's like traveled to germany and all you know so all your sister's wonderful... a professional dancer yeah. slash uh acrobat does she do the thing with the the rope yeah the ropes oh and the, yeah the silks and the hoops and silks she's really talented and um just you one know, sister I've, i have two my, my other one is like a computer science whiz uh she is big up in a company and really you know, very different than me, but very successful. And um, who's oldest? I'm the oldest. Yeah. And you have a little sister who's a professional dancer and yep. acrobat of sorts on yep. cruise ships. And you have one that's a, a computer whiz. So yeah. your parents must have been relatively open minded and encouraging. It's lucky you had a teacher, yeah, a loopy teacher for a mother. Yeah. What'd your dad do after the farm? 
Well, my dad, uh, he went to work in a prison. For reals? Yeah. That's a that's song. It's in the song. It's in the song. And he... Um, as yeah, what? very serious, uh, very serious man. Man of few words, but when he talks, it's always gold. It's, <laughs> and he, he scared off a lot of boys, for sure. That sounds like the opening of a song as well. Yeah, yeah. Man of few words, but when he talked, it was gold. It's gold. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he, you know, for, for a while, he was, he was a prison guard, and he, he drove the inmates back and forth from Chicago to other prisons. For like, a real prison? Like in Grown the fugitive, prison? you know, the guy who's like driving yeah. the bus or whatever. With the guys in um, chains? Yeah. And, but it was uh, like a grown-up prison? Yeah. It was Ugh. a serious prison. That's then, a lot to see, man. Yeah. He, he saw a lot. Uh, he's got some great stories. Uh, I'll have to share one or two of those with you <laughs> if he doesn't get too mad at me. Uh, but yeah, he and then he worked his way up. He was the lieutenant of internal affairs. So he saw for some the state? crazy shit go or down. For the, for the state, yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's a, it's a whole other world. And yeah, it's a I, I dark, don't think horrible that's like place. somewhere you want to go every day by choice, you know. No, no, no. Most <laughs> people don't. They're they're made to go there. Yeah, yeah. I was made to go there once, and just wondered how he did it to prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my prison songs all real in my oh real what? yeah Weekenders my prison song, and I wrote it while I was in well jail. Went to I went to jail the Davidson right, County Jail, but I was in there with all of the real. When did that happen? Criminals. That was um, maybe three years ago. Because you got fucked up. Got yeah, got fucked up. Made made bad choices. For a day or was uh, it a well, bad night that got you into prison. It was or? a bad night, but it was like a just a lot of depression that mm -hmm. led up to that. And was that the end of it? That was definitely the turning point. I thought the prison I better get it together right now, or I'm going to lose a lot of things that really matter well let's let's go back yeah yeah where were we at I no no just... no 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 I, I it's not a problem i'm just like i, I like talking to you um so you decide not to dance because you took some mushrooms and listened to the white album where you decide not to be a cheerleader but yeah. you you go full on into more expressive right like modern dance and, right um, and you can do all that stuff yeah i haven't done it in a while i mean being a musician kind of makes you like lazy and uh, uh -huh. you get that musician body uh -huh. where your fingers work really well sure. but like your arms and, and your, your music doesn't necessarily call for you know the headpiece right where you I'm not doing the you're not doing mainstream country yeah I haven't <laughs> went Chris Gaines yet or whatever <laughs> it's only a matter of time man it's you know it happens to everybody yeah, yeah, people just, keep saying stay grounded right. Margo yeah you hit that one groove that sells they're gonna be like we got some ideas for you yes, girl yes we do yeah. line dancing uh huh the, all of it you're going to bring it all back. <laughs> it's your destiny. I won't tell. All right. So, all right, so you start doing that, and, and what, what else changes? When does the uh, the uh, imbibing start to... Uh, wait, now you say you're depressive? Yeah, I've got a lot of, yeah. a lot of depression. Yeah. Oddly enough. Um, when did that start showing up? I think I've kind of always been a little manic. Oh, um, manic, yeah. But not you bleak. talk a lot about like... Uh, like eating disorders and oh, like the yeah. pressure of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely there with the um, cheerleading. Yeah, and even that second year of college, right before I dropped out, I was um, in the dance department and really diving into ballet, like you know, ten hour days. And they would have the the scales set in there, so you would weigh like ten, fifteen pounds heavier than you actually did, and they would tell you if oh you were God. looking fat. So that, that what was, college? 
Uh, it was Northern Illinois University. Uh-huh. Um, and I did, I mean, I, you know, I, I did have some good teachers there too, but um, yeah, all that just started to rub me the wrong way and, and I was just playing more and more and then I, I took a trip to Nashville on my spring break and I just thought, screw it, I'm I'm leaving the Midwest and You're out. I'm done. But did you Who's coming with me? <laughs> where are my ladies at? <laughs> yep. Or bad guys. Yeah, where's those bad guys? And so They then, came later, the bad guys? Yeah, then I moved to Nashville, started uh started singing in the bars. By yourself. Jewel style, yeah, yeah. Doing the, I uh, get in the stool and you sign up for the the songwriter round, sure. and you, you know, everybody does one song. And you were writing songs. I was writing songs, yeah, all the way through, or just that last year of college. Um, I'd been I'd been writing songs like probably even as young as seven or eight, but finally making full compositions, yeah, and everything where they were more coherent at right. that point, um, yeah. So that yeah, I really got bit by the bug and yeah. uh, moved there and, you know, just floundered for years. Doing and, that? Yeah, just kind of doing that. And then I got louder and louder. I, I started getting into the kinks a lot. Great. Which records? Oh, man. Lola versus Power Man, Muswell Hillbillies. Muswell Hillbillies. Um, I mean, there's Village just, Green Preservation yes, Society. So good. And I just, I loved their, their topical approach. And then, you know. funny? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that we decided to start this band, my husband and I. Um, the he was same just my husband? boyfriend at the time. Yeah, same one. Yeah, same guy. I've been I've been with him for thirteen years, on and off. But uh, at that time, we our our love came out of wanting to write only political songs that were like Kinks inspired. Yeah. Uh, but that's a really hard sell in the South. It was you know when the the you know the Iraq War was going on. I was going to like protests. Oh yeah, in D.C. and writing right. songs called like Bloodshed uh-huh. and uh, Architects of War. Oh good, clearing out lots of rooms because nobody <laughs> wants to hear that shit. <laughs> Especially in, in not Nashville? in Nashville. They at were that like, time, yeah, not at that time. That was not what was hot. I guess it's not really that hot. I mean, if you're gonna do a, a political song, it better be in the in the uh, American direction. Exactly. Yeah. Love it or leave it. Yeah. This was a questionable direction. So, yeah. These being were critical. These of, ideas were out there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn hippies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the bad Socialists. ones. Oh, yeah. That word. Communists. Oh, horrible. Oh, terrible things. <laughs> but like what was, I mean, I have to assume at that time, if that's like 13 years ago, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that, it's not like it was 1975 or something, but like, I mean, Nashville had to have. There were definitely other rock bands and stuff going on. Yeah, that was really what drew me there was, you know, it had a good like kind of punk scene. But I, you know, I always felt like I was not punk enough for the punks. You know, couldn't rock and roll as hard as, you know, I and I I put down the guitar, was singing with the mic like Oh yeah. Trying to be James Brown or What'd you do Jim to your Morrison hair? Well, you had something. the moves, were you dancing? Yeah, I mean, I'd like crawl around on the floor, yeah. like do a back bend with the mic and scream at people and jump around and uh but you always had but a singing it, voice. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. still sang. I mean, I was loved Janis Joplin, you know, in that way. So Janis was an inspiration. Yeah, she was an inspiration. We were, you know, I was um, just, I got louder and louder. I, there's this uh, Gillian Welch song. It's called I Want to Sing That Rock and Roll. She's just talking about how everybody's, she's, you know, singing so loud, but everybody's drowning her out with, so she wants to sing rock and right. roll music. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what I need to get more people to listen to me. I just need to get a big ass band. And so it grew. At first, it was just like four piece kind of punk band. And then I 
started getting really into soul music, added like a horn section. That's Buffalo Clover? Buffalo Clover, yeah. I, I listened got, like, to that record. Yeah, there's a... There's you know, some moments it's on a good there. Good record because you're a good singer. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> and like it sounded good to me. I like the horns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were ahead of the curve. Sturgill just did that for his third record, and everyone thinks he's a genius. Right, I did that. <laughs> I did that like how many years ago now? And nobody heard, nobody heard it. And even Brittany Howard sang on that one. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I thought that was gonna be. I thought that was gonna be the shot. I had a, a publicist who just totally dropped the ball on that, and she didn't send it out to anybody. Who put it out? Um, what it was, label? I put it out on my own, so that probably is also why. I mean, it just didn't have much reach at all. You know? Oh yeah, but it made the thing I liked about it was it made sense. It wasn't like you know it was like wow, that's you before you became you. It yeah. was it was really honoring whatever you became. Yeah, and everybody at that time, I was like, I'm making a soul rock and roll record, and but when I put it out in the small amount of charts that it got put on, everybody said alternative country. Well, that's something you guys got to fight with. I don't, I don't, yeah, under, it, I don't I mean, understand it, how it holds anymore. We always just got, when we would play shows, folks would say, you sound like Dolly Parton backed by the Rolling Stones. And I, I, I take that. Yeah. But I just kind of felt maybe that something that I was doing wasn't exactly working. So then I went back to added, started playing my acoustic again. And But the weird thing is, so, so you were mad it wasn't country or it wasn't rock? I just was mad that I was trying to make a soul record with not any acoustic instruments on it and people were calling it country. Oh. Because, right. I mean, but all what, country. Country, what country was and still kind of is at that time was maybe is more like that. I don't know. I, well, I, I don't know. Like that alt country it was thing. It's still rooted, you know? It's like, yeah, I don't, like I don't, CCR or something. It's, yes, you know, sure. it's happy medium yeah. between... Well, I mean, country is, is rock. I mean, yeah. you know, it's always yeah. been part of rock. Like Graham Parsons, he had a great quote. It was, uh, in all great country music, there's a little bit of rock and roll. Or the other way around, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. It, they're, and blues and country, yeah, you know, that's, three that's chords, it. same that's progressions. It. But that's all yeah, of it. That's yeah. rock. Yeah, it is. But the all country thing, that label, whenever it originally started happening, it's been a while. That fight has been a long, weird fight. I mean, mm-hmm. even when... Um, you know, Steve Earle was doing relatively mainstream. I love Steve Earle. Yeah, but those first couple albums, it's just fucking, you know, straight up country rock. Totally. And, you know, and then he, that label started to sort of come, that alt country thing. And even even Towns Van Zant, I don't know, gets. Love Towns Van Zandt. Yeah, right. But they don't, they don't get put in the canon of right. country artists. It's like folk or, you know, and now what you have everybody labeling uh, this more rooted country stuff is Americana. Yeah, what is it? But that, but that must just be a stronghold of that fucking paradigm of that machine of that Nashville machine. That must be right. That they want to say, well, now we need to develop a different genre for country because we can't put these people doing this kind of country and these people doing this other kind of country in the same boat, you know. And I've I've been doing these. But why is that? It's because that audience is fundamentally like second or third generation away from you know their parents' music, which is more like what you guys are playing. Yeah. And now it's just this weird stadium rock version of-, of With the earpiece yeah. and the white teeth and the- And some of those guys do real country. I mean, there's no doubt about yeah. it, but the production is, is such, and I guess the machine is such that they're not gonna let you go, go back in time. Yeah, yeah. That you they gotta... need to make, they need to make records that cost millions of dollars to make. Just to feed the God thing. God knows why. Who the hell fucking knows? I don't know. Well, it's been so weird. I've been doing the, a couple of uh, radio tours, and I go meet these like program directors, and they're all perplexed by me. 
And, well, I like this, but I don't know how we're going to play this next to... What? You know, uh, These country Keith stations? Toby Joe, a, a, you know, bro country guy. Right. Nameless country guy. Well, that's because they think it's going to feel like you're going back in time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really one of those issues of like, you know, I think maybe country is one of those weird things that's judged differently in that the stuff that really had integrity, you know, everyone will claim to be, uh, you know, inspired by, mm-hmm. but they think that the form of producing it, you know, like a country record used to be produced is somehow dated. Yeah. That yeah. must be it. But I mean, even when I remember hearing the White Stripes for the first time and it was like grungy, gritty rock and roll and it was very different compared to the like bubblegum. Right. You well, know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. boy band sure, stuff. Sure. But no, but, but like you said, it wasn't like judged like, oh, well, this is, you know, well, I guess it's throwback like, rock. Well, I think that's because like there was never any kind of broadcast infrastructure that was equivalent to college radio for country music. Mm-hmm. Like you would be played on college radio because it's a open, yeah, big tent. Yeah, open. But yeah. there was always this like alternative market for rock, mm-hmm. but there really wasn't one for country. No, I mean, not country at all. was always country. Yeah. And I think so many people have just written off country music. Well, I'm not going to listen to country radio because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people. Yeah. And then I'm going into these, you know, a lot of these stations and they're just looking at me like, who the fuck? What? What are you? These are country are stations. Yeah, it's weird to me that that's the response. Yeah, I mean, they can't identify. I'm sure, it. like some of them are playing me, but um, but, but like, what is Sturgill doing? Are they playing him? Not as much as they should. It's crazy, you know. Not as much as they should. They just don't like you guys coming around the side. Yeah, it's you, know, you guys are like. But then everybody else, I think, is going to probably try to say. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make something genuine and rooted and yeah, that's what's gonna you happen. know right. yeah. I've been seeing some uh, some of that. Oh yeah, and, and little little waves like uh, this one kind of mainstream girl. I'm not gonna say her name. But yeah, I mean the, I just saw this thing she put up and she said the word honest. I wanted to make something honest. She said it five times. Uh, it's either that or th- authentic. Authentic. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, yeah. real deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So all right, so you're playing with Buffalo Clover. You made your soul record. When's it? When's the crazy shit start? Crazy shit starts. Um, get pregnant. Uh, I'm married at this time, but get pregnant kind of by accident. Um, now, what was the story like in the song? You said you took up with a married man. Was he married when you met him? I, he was married when I met him. His ex-wife was totally crazy. Um, uh-huh. She was on drugs and. Um, got pregnant with somebody else's kid and then wouldn't sign the divorce papers when he said this is over so when i met him he had been separated for a year that's kind of the only thing on the album that is not doesn't come off completely factual because i didn't well no i mean what are you gonna say in the middle of the song yeah i mean like you know for the sake of the lyric yeah just are you gonna go into it like well he wasn't really technically (laughs) separated it doesn't come off in a verse i got involved with a married man so we we we, uh settled down and um but I was ready to go to Europe and tour really heavily with with, with uh, Low Down Time. So the one before Test Your Love, the Buffalo Clover record. Uh-huh. And then I find out that I'm pregnant. And is your husband's on the band though? He was. Yeah, he, he was, was in playing Buffalo Clover. Electric guitar. Oh, okay, and okay. That, yeah. So but, you uh, both find out you're pregnant. Yeah, we both find out we're mm. pregnant, and you know we're happy. But I, I think at that point I had thought I'm just going to have dogs and just be a musician because he he had told me that that he couldn't have kids. So we're together for seven years, that not getting line. pregnant, and yeah. then all of a sudden, boom, pregnant with twins. And uh, so it was just a, a really trying pregnancy, and I found out about 17, 18 weeks that um, 
one of my sons had a heart defect. He had um, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, and uh, he had half a heart. And um, so they told me that, and I was at Vanderbilt, a really great hospital in Tennessee. They they were second best on doing this particular surgery that he needed. 90% chance he was going to survive, but he would probably have only lived to be 30 or 40. Right. And uh, so that was a really heavy pill to swallow. And before he's even out of you, before he was even born. Yeah. So my depression like starts then. Right. And I'm already like a, like I said, kind of a manic, depressive person yeah. anyway. But uh, he, I have them, and uh, doctor does the surgery and fucked it up, and we lost him, and uh, then started the downward spiral. Yeah. But I, ha- you know, here I have a perfectly healthy baby at home, mm-hmm. and uh, every, you know, every day was, it was happy, but it was there was just always a sadness there. I mean, we had two of we we had two yeah. cribs, two car seats, two of everything. Oh, you all that. So yeah, that got um, really heavy, and but you know, I was still being a good mother. Yeah. But you know, I would, I would go out and. Uh, if I drank in a bad mood, it was just over. Bad. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's a normal sort of postpartum depression that happens. Exactly. But but compounded by the absence of. Yeah, know, it right. was just terrible, yeah. and uh, it just affected me so much. So. Um, so you were an angry drunk. I yeah I would get I would get sad and then I I was actually I was so depressed that I was thinking of checking myself into uh, yeah. a place and right. I, I kept saying it out loud yeah. and it was like nobody was really aware of how bad I was right and like I mean thinking like suicidal thoughts right 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 so um I one night I I went over to a friend's she was a, a mother and a musician and she also was a uh, wine dealer mm-hmm. we get all loaded on like really expensive wine and I'm playing drums and having fun I'd started out kind of crying, but the drunker I got, that you know, the more I forgot about things, right. and and then um, the night starts getting really late, and I thought I better get home. My husband's gonna kick my ass. I need, I really need to go. Call a cab. It was before like Uber and Lyft and all mm-hmm. this. Cab doesn't come. Um, some time goes by. Like, drink some water, eat some crackers sure. and cheese. Up. Think I'm good to go, and uh, only a mile from my house, but I was driving. Mm-hmm. Very large um, Ford Explorer, and hit. oh, so you sobered up because the cab didn't come. Yeah, yeah. Right, you're gonna drive. I'm gonna drive. Yeah, yeah. sure. Definitely was sober. And George drive. Jones it. Gonna do. Yeah, I wish I had a lawnmower. I would have got <laughs> a lot less trouble. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I hit a telephone pole in front of two cops. In front of them. In front of two cops, and uh, good timing. Yeah, and I was so close to my house. That's and, the worst. And then I, I, I was did, thinking uh, like. I'm going to jail. Maybe I can outrun the fuckers. So I start speeding oh, away, thinking I'll just pull in someone's driveway. Because they were parked. I was yeah. going pretty fast. Right. And, and uh, you were shit-faced. And I was shit-faced. Yeah. And I was not thinking clearly. Clearly, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, finally pull over because there's two cop cars. Yeah. And one's like side of me and one's behind me. Oh, really? They're kind of pull it, pushing they, yeah, you? Yeah. They're making you pull Pouring over. down rain. They make me walk the line. Of course, I've fail horribly they take me to jail and um i was charged with like uh public property damage mm-hmm. fleeing the scene of an accident a whole list of things and uh went to court um, ended up getting reckless endangerment which is a misdemeanor and does not look very good sure 
when you look up the definition, it's like you went out um, trying to hurt other people. And I, I was only trying to hurt myself. Right. So anyway, my now your husband's got to put up with this shit. Uh, He's home with the kid. He gets a call in the middle of the night. He thinks I'm dead the yeah. way that the cops right. called and uh, end up, you know, going to court. My lawyer's like, all right, you're going to have to go do this, do a weekend, but it's a white collar prison. There's right. it's, the people that are going to be so nice. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be bad. Well, he lied to me yeah. because it was terrible. Uh-huh. And, you know, he couldn't even bring in a book. Um Prison was bad, imagine. Hmm. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. And I, the girl that was my roommate, she was all messed up on pills. She mm-hmm. slept all day. She had beat her boyfriend up, high on crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had me actually mail a letter to him because he wasn't answering her phone calls. His name was Cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, after that, I... Um, you know, just really did not want to. She go. sent you out with a letter. Sent like, me out with oh, a letter. Right, right. Yeah, when you left. Oh, she you're was getting like, out here. Call me. Uh huh. Gave me your phone number. <laughs> right, right. But it was so eye opening. There's, you know, to see that all the women in there and all the things they had been through, and um, actually really want to go do a tour of a women's prison. Speaking of the Johnny, Qu- yeah, Johnny yeah. Cash live in San Quentin. Yeah. Um, but after I got out, I uh, sobered up for a long time and got my shit together and started writing more. And then that was... Being a better mom. Being a better mom, yeah. Better wife. Yeah, trying at least. Well, he, that, <laughs> you, you, you must have married a real hero. He's put up with a lot, <laughs> more than you'll ever know. <laughs> and you so, guys are good? Yeah, we're good. Um, he he was playing bass and for quite a while, and then things got incredibly busy, and I was on the road so much. We don't have a bus. We're still touring in like a sprinter. Mm-hmm. So I can't, it's not an option really to bring my son along. Right. How old is he now? He's six. Oh. Yeah, he's starting kindergarten this this year. I'm going to be there for his first day of kindergarten. So that's well, good. Well, that's good. Yeah, he's. He's great. And what do you what what do you, what do you do? You just you just leveled off and got pulled it in, or you got real leveled sober? Leveled off. I, yeah, I got sober for a while. Now I um, drink sometimes, but I never drink if I'm in a bad mood. Okay, it's and just, you don't feel the you don't feel compelled. You don't drink alcoholically necessarily. I, yeah, I don't. That's I mean, good. I go on, and I'm working so much. I lose my voice if I'm drinking. Oh yeah, you know. Do you smoke? When I drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'll go long amounts of time. I just smoke pot. Yeah, and uh, find All myself. All right, but you're level much. and you're showing up for work. I am. Yeah, things have really. Uh, and you're showing up really for the family around. business. Yeah. So wait, what? Where's the Winnebago part? Well, the Winnebago. Um, After you get out of prison. This was this was before. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. That was um, another dream. The L.A. That dream. Was, that was the the whole other dream we had. Uh, for a while, I was acted as my own manager. I created a a man that um, because people responded much better in emails. So you invented then, a dude. Hi, this is Margo. I want to book a show. Hello, this is John Sirota. I'm writing on behalf of mm-hmm. Buffalo Clover. So we had this guy that was he he booked uh, tour across the United States from started in Illinois, went to Nashville, and we went to North Carolina and played all the way across the U.S. in a Winnebago. In a Winnebago. Yeah. And I booked it all as a man, and, oh, and this a fictitious man. With your husband? Yep, my husband. He was playing um, electric guitar. Yeah. I was playing acoustic. And, then and the band is- Drummer the, and bass player. The jazz drummer. Jazz drummer, yeah. In the Winnebago. Yep, in the Winnebago, living the dream. Um, and yeah, that was a, a whole experience unto itself. But after, after we played our last show, um, 
see, we played in Los Angeles, and then we went up to like Hermosa Beach or something and played uh-huh. a show. And then uh, right when we played the last show, the Winnebago, it was in 1986, Winnebago, quit going into third gear. <laughs> so we drove all the way up the Pacific Coast Highway going 35 miles an hour with people just honking at us. <laughs> yeah. And- Trip and trip uh, on mushrooms again uh, in the redwood forest for like a week. Oh, that's nice. Get all booby eyed and yeah. uh, feeling crazy, and then um, I I thought that it was just destiny. All right, things weren't really taking off in Nashville. Winnebago breaks down on the west coast. Yeah, let's stay out here. Oh yeah, we we'll live here. This yeah, is where it stops. Playing psychedelic music anyway, sure. and uh, but my husband he really wanted to go back to Tennessee, and his parents also really wanted us to go back. So. We uh, we sold the Winnebago to oh. these uh, these hippies that we met. Have you ever heard of the Rainbow Children? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Stay away from. There's them. a documentary on them. I really, think. I need to check that out. They're a cult. Yeah, it's a very strange little. And we found them. I mean, we were just staying at trailer parks the yeah. whole tour. We didn't have to get any hotels or anything. You just pull up in the trailer park next to, uh, old, you know, wherever. Yeah, Bob and Helen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, we we pulled into this one. It was like this guy told us in the town where we could do free camping. And yeah, it was all the rainbow children, uh-huh. and they were kind of terrifying. That you know they wanted to trade like their Grateful Dead T-shirt for weed or you yeah, know right. toilet paper or whatever uh, you had on you. Yeah, hippie barter. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> smelled so bad. So we the Winnebago is not going so well. So we we sell it to these these rainbow kids and. Um, for like three hundred dollars, uh-huh. and they were telling us that they would give us more money later uh-huh. when we mailed them the title because yeah. I hadn't even got the title yet because we only had it for a month and we drove <laughs> yeah. it into the ground. Yeah, and uh, so go back home the U-Haul. Maybe like a month later, my dad gets a call from the Reno Police Department, and he they said that my Winnebago was abandoned on the side of the road. <laughs> And I never, I never saw it again. That was it. That was it. What do you say that it was stolen by Winnie they, Cooper? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was the end of that story. That was like, it. it was, yeah. it, well, you could have, you could have ended up in the Rainbow Children. So I you, mean, things really went the way they should have. <laughs> so glad we didn't stay there. <laughs> you could have been still there. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, that's interesting that you, you know you, the sort of you know his parents were like, just come back. You, just come you, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys need to quit this music thing and oh, they were know, like that. Get, yeah, yeah, get yeah. Normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, they they've you know they've helped support us. We're, you know, we're losers. You know, every now and then you gotta get some help financially. And we we burned all our money up on this Winnebago and this tour that really got us nowhere. Did you open for anybody? Or are you just doing clubs on no, your I was own? Just doing like yeah. And there was no real. Well, record you know no one knew you no no and we made a documentary of the whole trip where's that a little camcorder it's called maybe we'll make it oh. and it was like the you know maybe we'll sure. make it sure yeah. Very, a lot of metaphors there but uh we did not make it then so then you just kind of dug <clears throat> in 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 nashville and that's how you got you know to the 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 place you're at now yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm glad that i stuck with it the only reason that i wanted to go back was like in my mind i, I didn't want to let that city kick my ass I wanted to conquer it. When I, when I first moved there, I wrote down all the venues I wanted to play on a sheet of paper, and I slowly checked them off. You know, start with the dive bar, Springwater. Okay, we're done. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Uh, exit in, five spot, third and Lindsley, go down the list. And uh, that. so I'm we're, glad I went back. When, when you streamlined the band, 
and made it more of a country outfit. Did uh, were you picking up a following? Was that starting to happen in town? And yeah, things were were going well for a while. I um, played this small club called the Basement. Yeah, and uh, this guy from Rolling Stone was there and just oh, like really? absolutely floored by the performance. This was probably about three years ago. Yeah, right around the time that the jail stuff was happening and. I hadn't written the jail song yet, hadn't yeah. written Hands of Time, but had had like hurting on the bottle and like all the, yeah. you know, since you put me down, those tunes. Guy from Rolling Stone comes up and says, where's your record? I want to review it. Where the hell did you come from? And I said, I don't have a record. Hang on really quickly. And then I wrote this insane letter, sent it out to all these producers and labels. I'm about to make the best country record you've ever heard. Give me money. Did you put your name on that one? Yeah. Margo Price. Nobody wrote me back. Uh, you just blew it out there. I just I, threw it out there, like you know, maybe someone would help. After and, you talked uh, to the Rolling Stone guy, yeah, because like, I thought, and I would he's tell on people, to something. yeah, I'm like Rolling Stone did this feature on me. They shared my little video I did, and um, we got a good thing. There's a good buzz going, but nobody would bite on it. So about a year goes by, and my husband just up and decides to sell the car. He's like, we're making this record. And that's the end of it. And I so really tried to talk like him out of it. I said, sell don't car. sell the car. He went down, he sold the car. Uh-huh. It was a, a little Mini Cooper. <laughs> and uh, it had been kind of gifted to us from his grandmother and right. whatever. And I didn't really feel right about driving it around anyway because I didn't earn it. Right. And uh, so sold the car. And um, How are you getting around Nashville? Well, we had we had another car, which we still have one car. We just share it now. Mm-hmm. And Nashville's not a very like yeah friendly not. city if you don't have a car. Right, you can't yeah yeah take the bus. There's no subway. Can't there's not even bike lanes. So yeah, so we fight over the car, and um, but we go into Sun Studio and make a a record in three days. What you just paid the cost of the studio. Yeah, just who'd you paid, bring in? Who paid, produced it? Um, you guys? Well, uh, my friend Alex Munoz. He's from Spain, and he he kept saying, "I want to come along and produce this record." And I I said, "Man, we just don't have the budget. We're just very small budget." And he he told my husband on the side. He said, "I'm going to come do it. I'll do it for free. You guys can worry about paying me later." Yeah. I said, "Alex, you might not ever get paid." Yeah. But he came along anyway. Um, I paid all my uh, musicians, all the dudes in my band, and we recorded live to uh, Radar, which is like this weird analog uh-huh. thing and happened real fast and i was so happy with the way it came out this record's all live yeah yeah no shit i, I went back and redid some of the vocals but all the playing is all that live must be like because like there is something like really whole sounding yeah to it and uh this town gets around that's a live vocal it's really has that kind of johnny cash like, uh-huh. slap back everything's uh-huh. in the same room so um wow. get done with it i'm so happy with how it came out so you self-produce that thing yeah yeah and Al- alex munoz and uh, matt ross spang they both kind of help and and engineer and produce it for very little were you friends with like Cobb and sturgill and all those cats at that time i i had known sturgill but um had never met dave and uh i don't think he had any interest in really working with me he had a lot of things going on right at the time so so there wasn't really a unified kind of little new country community down no, there. I mean, I think everybody wants to think East Nashville is so... Yeah. Everybody loves each other and no. everyone's collaborating. And there is a lot of that, but there's also a very competitive, right. business-minded, right. get out of my fucking way, right. or I'll step on your head to get to the top. So now you've got this analog mm. take. Yeah, got it. And I'm 
I'm floored. I think it turned out great. Yeah. And I, I start sending it to big labels, small labels, Americana labels. Yourself. Indie labels, yeah. But like Bloodshot and like who? Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Uh, uh, you know. Merge. New West. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, even was talking to Sony a little bit. They uh-huh. had me come in, play for them. And, uh-huh. Uh, but nobody was biting, and the one person that was biting, they wanted me to take off the fiddle and take off, change the bass and make it more uh, a soul record. And so I, I was getting. They these, still heard that in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted you know because mm. I think it was in, you know recorded in Memphis that they thought we could just totally flip this and make it all soul or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had I mean so many rejections that. But it's interesting was, that they heard that in 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 this record because like that you did make a soul record and it was in you. Yeah, but yeah. I don't hear it in the record necessarily. Yeah, yeah, the pedal steel and I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, but they were like, "That's a soul record in here." Yeah, this one. Yeah, this one crazy. label. They they and they offered me more money than I'd ever seen at the time, and I thought about it, but then I just couldn't change it. Yeah. Yeah. And, good. Uh, so there there was a lot of rejections. I think I think I'm actually going to get my rejection letters framed. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'll be a good look on my sure. wall. You know, all sure. the nose and the yeah. mount uh, them together like yeah. in more, like a large piece. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, third man comes along, and uh, Jack specifically or his guy. I, I heard you know Jack likes what you're doing. He wants to hear the record. Uh huh. So I meet his uh, the other two third men, uh, Ben Swank, Ben Blackwell. They come out to show, and they love it. They love the record. Can't say how he wouldn't. Yeah, they didn't want to change anything, and it yeah. was insane. And uh, so for a few months, you know, we were kind of just talking and figuring things out. And yeah. I remember my uh, my pedal steel player, once we knew that it was going to happen, that they were actually going to sign us. Yeah. And not just like put out a single or something, like right. the whole record. My, my pedal steel player, he said, going to be a lot of toilets flushing in Nashville the day they find out. <laughs> You're signing the third man. <laughs> And it's always nice now when I when I see some of these folks. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. You know. Yeah. And it turned out way better than you know had I signed with anybody else. Cause right, because like he's uh, he's an artist's producer and label. Yeah. Um. It still feels like a dream. I don't. I don't know how things have gone so well. Just what are you talking waiting about? Waiting for them to go wrong. He sounds like you paid some dues. I know. Well, you know all about that too. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's, it's not like, like I'm kind of looking behind my back. No, I know. I when's yeah. when's the evil thing going to bite me again and I'll yeah. slip back into the yeah. hole of well, loserdom? And... No, well, the good thing about evil things biting you when you're a country singer is that's your next record. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't bite me. Now it's like the internet trolls, you know, I got to... The uh, worst. I, they, but it like feeds the fire. You uh, get trolls? Get get some trolls and it's always... It's never talking about my music. It's right. never, I oh, you suck. I hate your voice. You can't write a song. It's always, she's too. She's not pretty enough, or you know, oh, yeah, she needs a nose job. With women, it's always, it's always a comment on the looks. I don't understand. She's wearing too much makeup. She's not day. wearing enough makeup. She's dressed like a slut. She's dressed like a prude. This, don't read them. Fucking ridiculous. What, what, when do you, what, on Twitter or what? Yeah, Twitter's probably the worst. Yeah, what is it? So they see um, you on TV and that's when it happens? Yeah, yeah or like, you that. know, somebody, one of the late night shows put up like a photo of me and I was just... Yeah, don't fucking do that. Yeah, I can't read the comments anymore. No. It ruins my No, it's my and happiness. For, and for people that are like, sort of like, you know, kind of, you know, sensitive, like myself yeah, or whatever. They, I am they, sensitive. Well, also like, you know, you want to read the good shit, but then it's just this and speed it ruins ball it of for garbage. The people writing good shit. Oh, yeah, I because... I don't even open my messages anymore. Well, you can't like you. It, it, people 
well, like me, I don't know you specifically, but you, you kind of blow through the good shit. Yeah. And then when yeah. the bad shit hits, you're like, wait, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah. And then it fills you up. And then the, the people writing good shit hate you for that shit. <sighs> They're like, what about we say nice things? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about yeah, this yeah, fucking yeah, idiot? Yeah, 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 exactly. I love how you uh, how you spoke up for Amy Schumer, too. That was really nice. Oh, th- but those are all the same. She's, those dudes she's are amazing. the same. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, what do you. They do. It's all this. It's all, you know, they, these fucking babies with women. Yeah. It's just like, shut Sitting up. at home and, you know, living just, at their parents' house, right? What can I say about her? Yeah, or even worse, not living at their parents' house and sitting at home playing yeah. video games. You know, like, it's just, it, it, it's just something that exists now. And it, it is, It comes yeah. and goes. So, wait, so did you meet Jack? I mean, do you have a relationship with him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. I went down there. So nice. Yeah, yeah. have you done, done the third man tour? And I interviewed him down there years ago. Yeah. Uh, we talked about blues and stuff. And, you nice. know, I... I you, yeah, yeah, you guys have the same... Uh, the speaker set up for the... For the Macintosh? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, like, when I saw his, I'm like, I gotta get it. And then when I saw how much <laughs> and it then was... The first... <laughs> fucking nightmare but, I, like, but he's got great. more than i do you know and he's yeah, got yeah. i think a different thing but i ended up getting it so what is your deal with them how many records um i got one more with them and then we'll are you see. gonna let him I, produce it i don't know yet we uh, i've been just kind of starting the conversation about where i'm gonna do it and and who's gonna produce and all that i'm i've got 30 songs you do maybe more yeah really? yeah and i'm um, i've I really want to do something big. I, yeah. I hate thinking about just putting out like 10 songs or something right. because... Well, don't burn them all. Yeah, I mean... It's too much. Got to save them for when the creative no, juice dries up maybe, but... No, but I, like I a like tight record's good though, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, like sometimes like... Like it's like... Um, well, Sturgill's kind of aware of it too that there's nothing wrong with actually thinking in terms of a record and not thinking in terms of like just putting songs on there right yeah well i mean i think i think they are good songs i don't want to you know just put shit on there but i i feel like when you first write a song it it will never mean as much to you in five years as the moment when you wrote it right so that's, that's so you don't want to hold on my to thought them. but right. i could just you know record them and then hold I, well, on to I'm, them for later not, i i i wasn't being you do what you gotta do i, yeah, I mean yeah. either way i'll, I'll listen to all the yeah. songs okay <laughs> Well, I'm sending you two Buffalo Clover vinyls. So. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make note of that. Um, so, well, I love this record, and I'm glad Thank we you. talked. I love you. Like I said, we listened to you on the road, and uh, when we get real burnt out of just listening to albums, yeah, it makes the time go by. Everyone just listening. To everybody me listens. Yeah, nine people in there. Just everybody's cracking up. And it, do do it's people great. go like, Ah, Marin, what'd you ask? No, for? no. What are you doing? I, it was great. But the Neil Young one was. Oh, it was man. amazing I to was listen so to. Nervous, in the, oh, I, I can't imagine. Because he was hard for about ten or fifteen minutes. Like yeah, it was you like warm him up. Neil's well, not a. It's not, not even warm him up. Right. It's not even warm him up. It's like there's just some. He doesn't give a fuck. Right. And he doesn't. You know. He didn't mean to. And he doesn't really like to do interviews, but he wanted to Pono to get out there. And, yeah. And like he he clearly did not want to talk about anything that that you know, had but anything. You wanted to ask. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't know where to start. You know, I'm starting with gear, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I got." Like he's dismissing. Yeah. You know, like I'm like, I got this amp. It's like yours. He's like, oh, "Yeah, it looks. I think I got one like that." I'm like, "Oh, he's not gonna." Not going to mm. bite on equipment. Gonna, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Well, I think the reason people liked it was he seemed to loosen up and have a good time. Oh, he totally did. And I felt like he was kind of interviewing you. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he like flipped it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lozenges and the, the math on those. I I was at a, doing a thing with KCRW and I saw outside yeah. the studio we were at, there's a sign that said reserved for shaky. 
and I found out he was there and I just I wanted to meet him so bad I'm a, a massive Neil Young freak and um, I called third man hey you guys did that thing with him can you yeah. can you get me to Hasn't meet him hasn't happened yet I didn't get to meet him he like left for lunch and then something happened he got pissed off at somebody didn't come back for the day <laughs> he said Neil's not in a good mood today but I can understand that I got uh, a lot of have you been able to meet like as I talked to Sturgill about that you know about his heroes or people he respected have you been able to meet any of the people like the, who are your 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 gals and guys well i mean i love bob dylan speaking of bobby's another hard guy to meet yeah i'm never gonna meet him probably but i love bob dylan uh have everything he's ever done um of course i love loretta i'm right dying to meet her still haven't got to yet um love dolly parton love dolly jesse Parton's coulter yeah, yeah, waylon's yeah. Waylon's wife. Yeah. Um, and I did, the coolest person I've got to meet and actually got to sing with was, I got to sing with Chris Christopherson. You did? And I met, I've met him twice and we've got to hang out. And so that's, that's been the highlight for me. I got off stage. I sang, uh, and Patty Smith was stuck in traffic. She yeah. was supposed to come sing with him at Newport. Yeah. And I got this text message that just said, Patty Smith stuck in traffic. Do you want to come sing me and Bobby McGee with Chris Christopherson? <laughs> and I was in the middle of an interview with Rolling Stone, and I just was like, I gotta leave. I <laughs> ran over there and uh, got on stage with him, and it was the coolest thing ever. He like leaned over in my ear, and he just said, "You sound beautiful." <laughs> on stage, <laughs> I get up. I'm like, it's the like the best natural high I'd ever had. Like, oh, that's amazing. Buzzing. Yeah, when did that happen? That happened at Newport, just like a week and a half. Like really? I'll, yeah, I'll send you a little video of it. And how he, how's he? He's good. He's um, you know, he's dealing with um Lyme Lyme disease. He really? was misdiagnosed. Uh -huh. They thought that he had Alzheimer's, uh -huh. and um, he got it probably from what his wife thinks is crawling around on a floor during like the floor of a forest. Picked up a tick during a, a movie. Oh. and just never got diagnosed. Oh wow. So he's having a lot of memory issues. Okay. But um, he can still remember his songs and uh -huh. remember how to play them. And it's like the Glenn Campbell thing. You yeah. Know, it's just so cool to see. He's heavy, man. He's heavy yeah. presence. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you want to play a song? Can sure, you? Sure, sure. All right. Hold on. I'm going to stop this and we'll okay. set up. Uh, I'm going to do this this song that is the B-side for uh, a seven-inch we did at Third Man. It's called Desperate and Depressed. I'm pissed off at the number of people that I meet Who go to shake my hand with a viper up their sleeve It freeze me out in the winter, burn me up all summer Try to take my money when I'm desperate and depressed Give it up next I played for free and paid for the miles on my Cause the worry keeps me up It almost 
Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That sounded me. good. That was fun. Nice meeting you. You too. Thanks for having me. How great is she? Seriously, I'm. I'm not just. You know, I don't have her up on a pedestal. I'm not. I don't have a crush on her. I just think she's great. All right, have a little crush on her. Go to wtfpod.com and check those tour dates. Carnegie's almost done. Almost sold out. Might be. I got to check. Got Chicago coming up, Nashville, Tallahassee, dates in the spring, uh, in Connecticut, and upstate New York. and Just go to, go to the website. Get the poster. Do what you got to do. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!